Okay. I'm well. Uh, uh, welcome back. I officially started the clock. So, um, I have made y'all something that, as a little exercise sheet. Uh oh. That's You know, you know, it's just something for you to have to work on to help you with That's an eye test. the days of the week <laughs> and and the timing of the days of the week. Good gracious. Oh. Did you know he was doing this? No. <laughs> yeah. You know. Because we fell right into his right into his trap. You see, I tell you, the Lord's working these days, as you, you now sit, know. You know, you I got a few extra. So you know, the thing is did that. You sit there and do this. You talking about the Lord listening? <laughs> Well, you want answers, you came for answers, right? <laughs> so, anyway, uh, you know, what I, I want to do, um, and I forgot, I, I sure did. Shame on me. Took out my one page. I'll have to do that from memory. Okay, um... Well, first of all, you know, if we're going to talk about the layout of the Passion Week, there's several, this is not an easy thing, and I I told Bud I got the O.J. Simpson syndrome. If it doesn't fit, you must have quit. It's got to, it's got to fit. And so you've got to measure it from all these different angles for the truth. And you may not come to the truth exactly because of the fact that it's difficult to understand certain things, and especially when you realize that the translators are translating according to how they see it. Yes. And you're going to see a real good example of that in this whole Passion Week. But um, that being said... Uh, I want to start out by going back to, um, and, and I, I had these in my notes. Maybe, maybe I can pull them up. I'm, I might, I might be saved on the where I don't have to think about them all. Sometimes this sharing stuff maybe does pay off. Yeah, good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's first go over to um, Exodus 12, verse 17. Because this is going to kind of establish something early for what I call precision. See, I'm, I'm a person that believes that God is a God of precision, mm-hmm. that he's not into horseshoes um, and, and grenades. You know, in other words, it just doesn't have to be close. Genesis 12. Genesis Exodus. Oh, excuse me, Exodus 12, 17. <laughs> I'm thinking, thinking out loud, past the point of no return. Um, and I've had a lot on my mind concerning this. I am so sorry my husband is not here tonight. I have got to take really good notes. <laughs> Because you know how hung up he is on stuff. Oh, my goodness. And, um, and I'm at the mercy of this particular Bible. 
which is not always great, um, which I'm already making excuses. But basically, the verse that I had cited was uh, Exodus 12. Oh, that's why it is. 12.51. There it is. That's the one I'm looking for. Exodus 12.51. 12.51. Well, you're, you've got that bad translation. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. All right. You know, and basically they go through, you're going through all the restrictions and the things in dealing with Exodus and 12, and this is when you get all the changing and uh, the days and the months are changing and so forth and so on. They get down to uh, Exodus uh, 51, 12, 51, and it says, uh, 50, all the Israelites did just what the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, uh, had commanded Moses and Aaron. And on that very day, the Lord brought the Israelites out of Egypt by their uh, divisions. Now, who has a better translation? Does yours say that very day a little different? Same, same day. Huh? This one's NIV's very day. <laughs> Does yours say that, Ann? Holman says on that same day the Lord brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. Does anybody say the self same day? Yeah. Yours says that? Yeah, really that's that's one of the uh the, the, the words I'm looking at. The self same day. Well, here's the thing. It's saying the same thing, but you're you know, you're you're looking over it on the same day, you know, like no big deal. But when they use this word here, like phrase like this, it's indicating to me something that when you see it in the scriptures, then it, it has meaning. But what was the day that he brought them out? Brought them out of Egypt? Yeah. Right, Passover 15th, right. So, so this is Nisan, which is the month. Uh -huh. Robert? Right. Thank you for helping me. This is Nisan, right? The month of Nisan. The month of Nisan on the 15th day, okay? Now, when you go back to Exodus 12, you're basically, you know, and I come over here, you start the month on the 1st, obviously, and you go to the 10th. And what is special about the 10th? Of the month and uh, on Nisan ten. Isn't that isn't that when the priest would uh, put the uh, sacrificial lamb separately and kept them in that area for what three days? I believe is what they did. That's good, but it, it, on the story of the Exodus. Oh, okay. But you're in the right. But you're in the right area. That's a good thing, right? So Nisan ten, as you read in Exodus twelve, probably three or four, is going to tell you this is the day that they select the lamb. Huh? They're going to select the lamb on that day. Okay, on the tenth day of the first month. And then you're going to keep it in the house until what? 
And on the 14th, you're going to, and the, the word is slaughter the lamb. And, it, what, and how does it say it? In the evening. Between the evenings. And if you... Twilight. If, or, or twilight. And if between the evening, between the evening is what we would call 12 noon and 6 p.m. So between the evenings is 3 p.m. Everybody got that? Mm -hmm. Evening is afternoon, after mid, uh, midday going to or dark. So between the evenings is the middle point would be 3 p.m. So if we got up in the morning for the day watch, it would begin at 6 a.m. And it would go to 6 p.m., which is the full day, right? Are you with me? So in the morning, this is the morning watch. Not this, I, I said that incorrectly. You'd have to go back to this 6 p.m. for it to be a full day. This 6 a.m. is the morning watch. This is daytime. Okay? So if you can number this, each of these watches, you would go one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. Right? So when the Bible says Jesus gave up his spirit on the ninth hour, well, that's exactly what we would call 3 p.m. That's between the evening. He was put on the cross on the sixth hour. You know, or, or, or uh, was that? No, no, no. He. He spoke uh, at, at that time. He was put on the uh, cross at, uh, at nine, which would be six. That'd be uh, six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, something like that. It may be the third hour. Third hour. Third yeah. Hour. I, I'm like, my, my mathematics is getting like my brain. So, screwed up. So, you know, but you kind of don't, you don't get it like this. You just get these little hours thrown at you. And what do we do? <laughs> Who cares, right? It doesn't mean anything. But see, to me, it does mean something because it's really giving you the precision of how God is laying all of this out. And it wasn't by chance that all this happened like, oh, it just happened exactly. No, it happened exactly on the self-same day. Okay? He was, he was slaughtered between the evenings on that day. What day was that? on the 14th, the same day that the lamb was slaughtered back in the time of Moses. It wasn't, a, it wasn't by chance, it was by purpose because Jesus is a, uh, is a fulfilling or completing, however you want to say it, the prophetic word of what happened with Moses. See, Moses and Jesus are going to end up being, you know, when you look at one, you're going to see Jesus doing everything Moses did or went through and so forth and so on. You know, it's going to be a, an overlay, a, a mirrored image of the work of what Moses was doing. Now Jesus is doing the same one. And that's why it says in Deuteronomy 18 that, you know, that he would send them one likened 
unto Moses and to whom you must listen and I will put my words in his mouth and if you don't listen to him it ain't going to be good for you right and so they're following the pattern so that being said let's go back over here to the 15th this is the day they come out they, they, between the evenings and then at 6 o'clock we have the new day so they're now in their house they put the door on the uh, the blood on the doorpost and they're in their house and they stay till when in a sense of the word midnight and this is all night right now I have to put me a line here and going out here in the day but the bottom line is is that they come out during the dark they don't come out during the day they come out during the dark when it's still night okay on what? Uh, midnight. So that's, is that the... Uh, well, if you were to say midnight from here, okay. right, you would have to you, you would have to go how far to get to midnight? Six, six hours. There you go. Okay. So technically, we would say this is either 12, this is 12 p.m., I guess you could say. But, you know, a lot of the things that we see, like even in the Ten Virgin, what happens? The bridegroom comes at what? At midnight. So all of these little things that we're reading about are really all going back to this original story that's going to be the, you know, the, 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 the picture of all these things that are going to take place, and yet we don't see any of them because we don't know anything about this. It's too Jewish. It's just, you know, it's just we know how the, the Red Sea parted and, you know, Pharaoh rode back to Yul Brennan, rode back to Egypt, and that was the end of the story. So, you know, anyway... Uh, you see this little thing. Now, here's an important thing. When you go over to Genesis, I think it's uh, I think it's 15. It might be 12. Yeah, 12, 17. Or I think in that verse 41, it also says uh, Exodus to that very day. Huh? I said in uh, 12, 41 also. That same day, self-same day? Same thing. Yeah. Right. They're speaking of this day right here, okay? And that's important. She's got the King James. Yeah. Right? That's important. The king was helping us there. So we go over to Genesis. Now, here's my question. I want y'all to listen to what I say. There are those I know that did the Passover Seder and Part of the main focus of the Passover Seder, especially in the first part, is the telling of the story of Exodus, right? You know, you got to tell the story, right? So my question to y'all is, if I had to ask you, when does the story, telling of the story, when does it begin? Tell me how it begins. You told the story, now you have to have a beginning, I'm not trying to make it hard. I know y'all 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 freeze up like, oh God, you know. I mean, we've done. You've told the story a thousand times. <laughs> what's the story of Exodus? All right, let me rephrase. Yeah, hey, what's the story of Exodus? Can you tell me? Coming out of Egypt. Huh? The Jews coming out of Egypt. Jews coming out of Egypt. You got any more details than that? I think it's going to go all the way back to Joseph. 
Go all the way when back he, to when he's when he was when he went to Egypt. Okay. So you think it goes all the way back to Joseph? Anybody else? Is it about Moses? It's got to have a little bit to do about Moses, right? So if you were going to tell the story of the Exodus, most people would probably go, yeah, that's Moses in the Ten Commandments. Wouldn't you say that? Because of TV, you know, when you hear the Ten Commandments story movie on TV, it doesn't have anything to do but with Moses and the Pharaoh, and then they go into this, and they come through the Red Sea, and he leads them to the mountain. So in, in modern minds of everything, it's really a story about Moses being and the, and the uh, Israel being let free from the bondage of sin or, 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 or bondage from labor and, you know, being freed and redeemed out of Egypt. And you're right. It really is not, Moses only in a... Why are they in Egypt? Yeah, Moses is only mentioned one time in the Passover Seder. The emphasis not on Moses. The emphasis actually goes back to the fact that you were a wandering Aramean, right? So when you go back to Genesis 12... You have Abraham being brought out. He's being brought out of, you know, Mesopotamia. And he goes down to the land. And, of course, we know a p- large part of the story here has to do with um, <clears throat> uh, the fact that he is... Um, let, me, let me get over here to my verse here for you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I was right the first time. It, it's Genesis 15. I gotta quit bop my thing and messing me up. Well, I was reading this said Sarah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what, it was in the Sarah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genesis fifteen, right? Genesis fifteen is a story about Abraham, right? And and this is the this is when he asked God, How shall I know? This is going to happen. I mean, I don't even have a child, and yet you're telling me my descendants is going to be as numerous as the stars in heaven. And he doesn't even have any, you know, children of his own, right? And he, and he goes on and says, how, how shall I know that this will happen? And, you know, and he goes on to uh, say uh, the various things. Let me try to find my uh, passage for you. Seventeen. I mean, uh, fifteen two. Yeah. So, uh, so ver- verse. Uh, let's just start in verse seven of fifteen. It says, "He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of Chaldea to give you this land to take possession of it.'" But Abram said, "O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it?" So the Lord said to him, "Bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon." Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. So you kind of see this picture of the fact that uh, they got these, car- uh, uh, and they split them in half. But at some point, I guess the birds themselves, they say were like laid open. I don't, you know. I'll do it like that. You know, they weren't really split in half, you know. They were split down the middle, but but laid. And it says, um, 
And as the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said, Know for certain your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated for how long? 400 years. 400 years. Okay? And so notice that he's actually telling Abraham about the future and exactly how it unfolds. They, they go into a far, strange land and they're, they're now prisoners and uh, slaves and, and so forth. And that they're, they're going to have a time frame. Okay, a time frame in which he's going to do this, right? And then it went, let's see where it goes on here. And uh, um, I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possession. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun has set and darkness has fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said, To your descendants I give this land from the rivers of the, uh, Egypt to the great river Euphrates and the land of all of those different people. Okay? And um, so you kind of see, you see here that... Um, he mentions this particular time frame, right? Now, um, if you go over into the Gospels, and see, you may be able to help me, somebody, they refer to this same thing, this same event, and they use the term 430 years. You know what I'm talking about? What's it? Huh? It said in Exodus 2. That was the 41, 1241. It said 430 years. Uh, okay, okay. So Exodus 2. Yeah, so back over in Exodus 12 what? 40. 1240. Yeah, now the length of time of people lived in Egypt was 430 years. And at the end of the 430 years, and notice it says the very day, the very day they were going to come out. And I'm telling you that the self-same day, what you need to know is that God made the covenant with Abraham on the day that he made this covenant. It was the 15th of Nisan. And 400 years later, 430 years, depending. And there's a, they tell you how to get this. They, they really were not in bondage for that whole length of time because, you know, Joseph goes into everything and they're not it but so they're in bondage for a period of time and I'm going to say like 265 years or something like that but they get to this terminology and you see it again in the New Testament where they'll refer and I don't know you can make somebody can reference it but it's in the New Testament also but the point that I'm making here is that it's on the self-same day that he made this covenant. In other words, the reference to the self-same day is the fact that he made the covenant with Abraham. And that's important because he's the father of faith. And then we're going to go forward. Think how many years we're going to go forward. We're going to come to the 15th of Nisan. And Jesus is going to be buried into the grave 
on the same self same day in a sense of the word. In other words, he's the one, you know, when Abraham made this covenant with uh, God, if you break a covenant, what happens? What's he going to say? One of you going to die. This is an ancient ritual. You can read about this ritual of this half thing that goes back into ancient times that if you break the covenant, you're going to be as that sacrifice that was split in two. And so technically, you know, God keeps, you know, when we say, well, God keeps the, he's going to make it happen. He's going to do all the work. And basically he sends his only son because the people, the descendants, break the covenant. And you get that all through the Bible. And Jesus is the one that's actually going to have to pass through the fire. And he's the one that's going to have to take the punishment for their sins. And that's the story of the Bible, and it's for us too. But he, he's, the, in a sense, the, the smoking uh, pot and the, and the uh, um, you know, the torch, you know that uh, he's the one that's going to pass through the middle of that. And he, look, look at this. Look at the idea here. I want you to see something here that he's going to go through what? What do they see going through the center of it? Yeah. Notice that you see a parallel here way back in the time of Abraham where the sacrifices are split in two, Right? But now up in the time of Moses, what's going to be split in two? The Red Sea. So you're going to see a very similar story that's going to actually come to pass at the time of Moses. When they come out, they're going to go through the same scenario, and God's going to do what? He's going to take them. He's going to make a nation for himself. They're going to pass through the sea but they're going to pass through the sea on dry ground, and that's back to your Genesis story. When did, the, when did the water appear and the dry ground, I mean the water was there and the dry ground came up through it? On what day? <clears throat> Just think about the story. Yeah. Third day. It's going to be a similar part of the story in creation you know, there are people who will tell you at the time of the Exodus that God created a new beginning. What do we see in Exodus 12:1? You see that he's giving them a changing their calendar. He's got them, and now they're going to become a nation, a firstborn son out of all the nations. It's a new beginning. And it's going to get larger because the story is really going and pointing toward the time when, you know, Yeshua, he goes and pays the price for the sins of the people, and now the redemption begins. And that's what you need to see. Its terminology is the first redemption is Egypt, right? The final redemption is going to be the world in a sense of the word. In other words, that Israel first, but eventually the whole world, all 70 nations, all the people that are called are going to be brought out from all 70 nations, which we're all a part of. Praise the Lord, right? Not because we're so good. It's because we believe. 
And really that's the essence of the gospel. But, you know, and this is what, you know, he's believing, Moses is believing, you know, we're all believing that God's going to do this. And I think that's a real important part of where we're heading with this. If I had to ask you, and I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I do always. Um, if you had to define to me one of the main components of the Sabbath, what would it be? That you would rest, rest right? From what? Work, right? No work. You're to rest from your work, right? And I, I think you could make a case, and there are some that say in the Hebrew Bible that they believe they pass through the sea on a Sabbath, okay? And that's important because of the fact that what you really see in the deliverance at Exodus is the fact that they couldn't do anything. They were trapped against the sea. They were scared to death. They were this and they were that. But God himself did the work. They didn't do nothing. And I think that's really one of the greatest messages of the Sabbath is the fact that, you know, it's kind of like the resurrection and the rapture. You know, we're not going to do nothing. This is all about what God's doing. We've just got to rest and put our faith in God and let it happen. But he's the one that's going to do it. If it's going to happen, it's not going to be anything that any man has anything to do with. And it didn't have anything to do with man back in these days either. It was all about what God was doing. And really that's an important part about this. whole. That's what faith is really all about. Not what we're doing. It's what he's doing, right? Okay, so any questions so far with all this? Say, say, I say it again. Watches. What are the watches? Third, six, and nine. Well, if you if you go to the time frame of the gospel story, in in the gospel, you're going to see that he went on the he was on the cross six hours. He went on the cross at, uh, in the morning. Uh, at, what, what does it say? I'm getting mixed up myself. On the third hour, right? And then. He has an, uh, something that takes place at the sixth hour, and you have three hours of darkness, but on the ninth hour, he gave up his spirit and said it's finished or completed. And I'm just showing you the watch of the day and how the day hours are broken up. You don't get any of that. You just get the ninth hour or the sixth hour or the third hour. Just like you only get the 15th day or the 14th day. They're not talking in paganistic Babylonian language of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, and things of that nature. They're just giving you how, how the accounting of the day is, okay? Anybody else? No. So, let's say back here in Genesis 16, yeah. 15, 15. Yeah. Okay, my, the NIV on the 8th. Verse 18 says, on that day, and then you always alluded to on that day meant Rosh Hashanah, right? On that day. Where, where is this at? What, what verse? Uh, 15, 18. Genesis. Genesis 15, 18. 
15, 18, on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to you, well, I think that's a good thought about, you know, a, a, a shadow. Because technically, you know, when we talk about we're in the new covenant, right? We're in the new covenant. But if you believe that Rosh Hashanah is the day of the resurrection and the changing of your body, it's when you get that new body that God's going to have that covenant that he's made with you that you're going to what? Have eternal life, and that's when it begins. So you could say it's a subliminal reference to Rosh Hashanah, but at the same time... I guess I'm wondering is maybe did the translator pick up as the king says the self. What does his say? Are you talking on the 18? 15, 18. Yeah, in the same in day. In the same day. Yeah. So it doesn't say on that day. Right. Well, you know, you know, I'm not able to look look at it personally very, but I'm sure there are other times that they use that language in the translation. But it all has value and meaning, and I think it it, it does there too. But you know, uh, as you go back and you look at that particular deal on that day, he's really emphasizing the fifteenth because you're given that. But it doesn't mean that that phrase later on won't have a more of a meaning to the day of the Lord. Okay, that's my that would be my my take on it. So we kind of got this one right. Well, let's look at another one since John's bringing it up, and uh, I'm just going to erase that part, and let's go over to Genesis seven. Genesis 7. And this is difficult, but I think it's able to be seen. I think it's important. All right, uh, verse 7, I mean chapter uh, uh, 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take you with, Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal and male and mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, uh, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and its female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will bring and wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And and, And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came on the earth. I want to stop right there. And I want to give you something that, how, you know, we see this unfolding, right? So when you have Rosh Hashanah, which is Tishrei 1, Tishrei being a month, 1, right? You're going to have seven days and then you're going to have eight, nine, and ten so and that's going to be Tishrei ten and you've got this being Rosh Hashanah which we believe that on Rosh Hashanah is the actual resurrection I'm put the resurrection okay well if that's the case of the righteous, see, he was righteous, he's going where? In the ark. We'll put plus the rapture of the righteous living, okay, on that day. But they're going to go where? 
They're going to go up into, we say, the throne room of God for the coronation of the king. And they're going to be up there how long? Seven days, technically, or seven years. We call that the tribulation, right? We're up there, they're down here. But the bottom line is, back in the timeline, there's seven days here of which their, their events are going to occur in this week period time right here. And let's go back and look at this and see this. Uh, go back to Genesis 6.1. When man began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters were born to him, the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married and in, and any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal, and his days will be a hundred and twenty years. Now I think that relates to the timing of all of this. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and afterwards when the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children and had children by them, and they were heroes of old and men of renown. And the Lord saw how great men's wickedness on the earth had become and that every indication of thought of his heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth and his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of God, which is really the word for grace. And this is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japhet. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth was, had become for all the people of earth had corrupted their way. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. Now, we always say, did the earth get destroyed? Huh? He said it did in English, didn't he? But it, it didn't. We know it didn't. <laughs> it was re renewed, but it wasn't. It was destroyed as it was. So, you, you know, literalists will say, well, it said the earth is going to be destroyed with a ball of fire and it's all going to be burned up over there in Peter, right? And we have this that mindset, well, it's what it says, but it says it here too, but we know the earth did not be, become destroyed. It was changed, and that's what we believe is going to happen in the end. It's not going to, The earth is made for man. It's always going to be here, but it's going to be changed. So... Yeah, something of that. I don't. I don't know the exactness of the word, but yeah, it's a similar similar line, though. We just have to look it up to see what it really was. And without reading all of this, trying to find the words I'm looking for. Well, let's say verse 18. After he says that about the flower, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons, and your wife, and your son. Wise with you. You are to bring the ark and two of the living, male and female, two of every kind, and uh, er, and Noah did everything that God commanded. Now, you know, there is a place 
and I'm not seeing it right off, but it says that Noah at that time, somebody can help me find it, was 500 years old. Where was that? Yeah, but that's when it when. Five thirty-two, verse thirty-two. Yeah. Five thirty-two. Yeah. Okay. After Noah was five hundred years old, he became a father of Shem and Ham and Japheth, and uh, so they're giving. Then and and it get it goes to uh, you know give you that that dissertation you know there now from a Jewish perspective, a thought and and their understanding, Noah was actually born on Rosh Hashanah, okay? So that's going to be Noah's birth. And you see there, you see there where it said he was 500, and now you get over here to this story again, and in Genesis 7, and you're told in verse 6, Noah was 600 years old, okay? Now this is... The language of this is a little tricky, but just bear out the thought and you can work with it. And it said, And Noah and his son and his wife and his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. But see, they went into the ark, and he said, You're to enter the ark, and you got this seven day period, in a sense, of the word that I'm assuming that they were gathering up. The animals were coming, you know. I don't think they had to gather anything. I think they just had to open the door, right? And it goes on, it says, um, pairs of clean and unclean animal birds. And Noah entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. And after the seven days, the flood waters came on the earth. Okay? So, so I want to just put this little thought in your mind. So, in other words, the flood waters came on the earth after seven days. So you have to assume that the, 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 the door of the ark is, is somewhat closed, but we can assume. But you would have to say that water was going to be the form of judgment in this particular case. Water is going to be the thing that's going to destroy everything. And so you could say judgment begins to fall after that seventh day, or the seventh of Tishrei. Or we could say after seven days and say it's the eighth. Okay? What did it say? It says here in my 11, no, it says on the 17th day of the second month, all, on that day all the springs of the great. So you've got to, you got to, uh, read, read that for our whole program. Read that verse real quick. On what day? 17th day of the second Okay, so now we can at least, we now can at least see how close we are to Tishrei. We're really right here, we're only uh, 47 days apart. Because see, it's not specifically spoken to you, but he made a covenant. And covenants have tendency to come up on Rosh Hashanah. So... You know, you know that he was uh, 600 years old, and you've got this story, but there's a difference here. They entered the ark, and then the floodwaters, it says, floodwaters. 
But there's flood waters from below and there's flood waters from above. And so when you read the story, you're going to see, well, let's just keep reading it and then we'll go back to that. Uh, verse 11, in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, and that's why I'm telling you that they're giving you the date now, but when they give it to you in the beginning, it was Noah was 600 years old, okay? They don't go seventh day or first day of the seventh month or the first day, uh, first month of, the, uh, you know, Rosh Hashanah. Don't let me get you confused. <laughs> and it says, On that day all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were open. It and 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 rain fell on the earth forty days and forty nights. You see that? So in our minds, we're thinking, well, it really didn't start raining until the 17th day of the second month. Would, would you? That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I'm telling you where we're, where we're not, um, you know, you have to uh, uh, in, infer to the fact that when you go back where it says, it says here, uh, verse 7, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his son's wife entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And, they, and then the pairs of clean and unclean animals and birds that moved along the ground came to Noah and entered the ark. So, you know, you kind of are getting this story, and it's kind of confusing because they throw this in here on the, uh, on the uh, 17th day of the second month. And on that very day, Noah and his son, Shem and Haman, together with his wives and wives of their three, entered the ark. Back to that 40 number that we yeah. all the time. So yeah. Maybe it started raining not quite as much, but what you're saying for 40 days, then it really busted loose the last 40 days. Well, I, I'm thinking that the floodgates, where it says the floodgates of heaven were opened, that they say it never rained prior to Adam, I mean Noah. That the, the world was encompassed in this whole ball of moisture you know, and everything, that the water that came up, it came up from the ground. But, you know, and I think that's what started happening after he entered the ark. They started seeing the water coming up, but then they get to this period of time and that the heavens open up. And they're going, what in the world? <laughs> what the world is this? <laughs> it's like that hailstorm down there in Orange Beach. They're going, what is this? And... uh you know, and, and, and the story goes on, right? So, that being the case, what we see going into the future, we know that the, uh, the, 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 the contract with the false messiah is made on Yom Kippur, which is Tishrei 10. So, when we, let's just say that, uh, and I'm not saying, I'm just using this for a deal, that, that this becomes September the 5th. 2021 which is this coming September and and then all of a sudden you know we have the resurrection and the rapture occur and there are passages which we could go and look at but 
that the 144,000, right, are going to be seeing it. They're going to witness this, and they're going to all become believers in Jesus as the Messiah. It's the plan of God, right? And the word that you'll see over in Jeremiah and Isaiah is that they're to think of Jerusalem. In other words, they're going to be warning the people just like Noah to basically, we believe, in a sense of the word, I hate to say it, to get out of America and leave. Get out while you still can, lest you serve uh, uh, sharing her plagues. Because after the seven days are up, on the eighth day, you know, the judgment begins to fall, and we feel like that the event of the eighth day is going to be that when the enemies of America attack America to a point that they are totally made worthless. Let's just put it that way. Is it September 5th? Is that when it is this year? Yeah. So that would put September the 11th on pass. Real close to that 7th. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. And there's there's numerology with that day. But, but that, that if you've been reading the paper lately, Russia and China, Russia has this uh, doomsday nuclear submarine that they've been putting up in the north, which, you know, in the Bible, you know, you can show that the arrows or whatever come from the north, and that if, if this is the case, and America is completely wiped out, it sets the table for all the rest of the nations of the world to decide who's going to be on whose team. Because America's been the hammer of the earth. They've been doing all the protecting. They've been running the show. And now they're not anything. They're gone in a sense of the word. That's just, that, that, that's not Bible. That's Bible inference from people that study this for a while. But, but see, it's the setting up of this and this event that makes them sign the military agreement with Israel out of Europe to say, we'll be on your team and you'll be on our team because you've got nuclear weapons. And they know what they've just done to America and they're real concerned. But Europe and Russia are in alignment with each other so they don't want a nuke. They, they believe really that Europe will receive limited nuclear tax that will render uh, Europe, uh, uh, when, when the, this is all over with, 40 years, you, you will not be able to live in, in Europe because of fallout in Europe in a limited nuclear strike to take place there. And there's a possibility this is why the Antichrist moves his throne to Jerusalem to leave, leave Europe. Interesting, but we do know that that that, that the seven-year period of the signing of the contract begins on a Yom Kippur, and it ends on a Yom Kippur. That's the seven years, and you're given the the days: twelve hundred and sixty days and forty-two months, three and a half years. So, you know, there's a series of events that are going to occur that's going to create this scenario. Are you talking about the contract? Well, he's going to have a contract with Israel. Only 
Israel? Well, you know, we 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 don't see. Well, if you want to know the rest of the story, let's put it like this. You know, you're going to have Russia. Russia has been sitting up there for about several years thinking that, you know, we treat them like, you know, y'all are nobody. You know, you're just a bunch of, you know, whatevers, right? But they are going to have their say-so, and we believe that they're going to be the enemy out of the north that's going to come down against Egypt, I mean, against Israel, right? And so when it says, and, and this is a, this is all, you know, in pictures and type, you know, well, Israel in the, in the ancient times made a covenant with Egypt, which is really going to be a picture of Rome and Europe and the end of days. Now, I know that if you hadn't heard, how many of y'all ever heard that Egypt, since he's Pharaoh, but he becomes a picture of the false Messiah's kingdom, which will eventually be right now the Europe or the revived Roman Empire. So basically, Rome equals Europe. Everybody heard that? Somewhat? So he's going to find himself in a conventional warfare with Russia, which lies on their eastern borders with Crimea and all of this area up here, they don't necessarily want to nuke, nuke anybody because they're all living there. But they have a problem with that because they're over here. But at the same time, the massive army of Russia is moving against Israel, and this is all taking place. But the false messiah is not going to have the power that he desires in the beginning because he actually comes to power out of the chaos and he signs a, you know, the ten nations, they all send their official and they say, whatever y'all decide we're going with. And this guy has the answer and whoever he is, he rises to lead this coalition and when all this is taking place, Russia's coming down here. They're busy probably losing up here because Russia's more ready to do this than they are. And as Trump would say, uh, weak and diluted NATO and, uh, and us out of the picture. And, and so you got Israel now. They're coming down. And the words that are used in this, and we have really gotten off of all this, but, you know, the words that are used in this is that you know, they cover Israel and Jerusalem like a storm. In other words, they ain't got nowhere to go. And what's the biblical picture? Well, the biblical picture is Hezekiah. You're going to see that everything that happens with Hezekiah is going to be a picture of the false Messiah in the last days as they come against Israel. They're completely surrounded. They're not going to win. In fact, what in the days of Hezekiah... They, he says, we'll give you horses if you can put men on them because they're, they're basically dying of famine and uh, starvation. They got nothing left. And that's when he takes the letter and puts it before God and, and says, Lord, they're mocking you. Where's your God? And so when he, they, they go out and that next day, you know what happens? When they wake up, what do they find? 
The angel of the Lord has gone out and all of those soldiers turned on one another and killed one another and they wake up delivered and they witness it and they all become the nation as a whole. That's the that's when it says in your Bible, from that day forward, they will all know me from the least to the greatest. Because he's going to, it's not going to be them. It's all going to be God. And he's going to deliver them. Now, at that time, the huge part of this army is defeated. I mean, destroyed. Well, that news then frightens them. And eventually the Antichrist then defeats the remaining part of that battle with Russia but it doesn't come without a price because probably in their desperation they use limited nuclear weapons and at some point he's going to move his kingdom or his throne to Israel and that happens by the three and a half year period. When does he ride into Jerusalem? Oh, on that famous day on Nisan 10. The same one that was taking place, you know, in these other days that we've been talking about. So, then, when you get to that point, you know, you have, we, we, we see the kings of the east, you know, that are going to be all your Asiatic people, which are already forming, you know, with Korea and uh, the things that are taking place there and the way China is mounting its effort. And they're all going to find, and, you know, we, we, we see it that they're all going to be drawn to, to Israel, to Jerusalem, as they, you know, come this way in the, but the latter part of the tribulation, in the seventh year, when they enter into the seventh year of the tribulation is when, you know, we all put it into the simplicity of Armageddon. We go, well, it's the battle of Armageddon. Well, really, it really doesn't refer to Armageddon like we represent it. It really talks about Megiddo, and it talks about the Valley of Jezreel, and there's going to be battles. There's going to be battles all over northern Israel in various places, but they're going to eventually, it's all going to come down to where they're going to be surrounding Jerusalem. That's where the final battle is going to be played. They're all going to be converging all these armies are going to be converging on Jerusalem, which is the center of the world, right? To make this even better, it's a great story. Y'all enjoying it? All right, well, let me give you the other part of it then. You know, so where is Jesus in all this, you know? So, so when we got to Nisan 10, right, 30 days prior to that, Adar, that's when he, that he sets his image up. The Antichrist. Whatever it may be, it's some form of a, an abomination. And, 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 and Jesus says, when you see this, let the reader know to, to flee. And so you're going to have the majority of the believers in Jesus Christ are going to flee. And they're going to flee what we see and believe. They're not just one place. We always talk about Petra. But if you were to look at the places throughout history that they flee to, and I'm making my map bigger, but, you know, this is all Israel, you're going to find that they're going to flee to certain points and cities that have been prepared where God's going to supernaturally protect them.
And, and so when you read in Isaiah 65, it says, who is this that comes from Edom? Well, what is Edom? Anybody know? What's well, Saudi Arabia coming 